Hello and welcome to the Booktopia podcast. I'm Bronwyn. I'm here with Sarah, our kids and YA specialist, and we are sitting across from Jay Kristoff. Hi. Hello again. It's good to be here. Welcome back. Welcome back. Yeah, it's awesome. (laughs) So, I mean, you're here for Dark Dawn, which is the third and final book in your Nevernight Chronicle amazing series. And I think it's safe to say that this is definitely like you've reached a whole other level of popularity with this series. I mean, people are so, so in love with this series that you've created. And I mean... Including people in this room, including including myself, who's who's very freshly read it. He's read it last night. He's reeling. (laughs) (laughs) No spoilers. I'm still processing the emotions. I won't say anything. Is is this a spoilery conversation? When is it coming out? No, we're not allowed to. We're not spoiling. Not spoiling anything. No spoilery, okay. guys. But we're allowed to spoil one and two under the presumption I that people have so. read them? Okay. Yes, yeah, right. so like, if you haven't read Nevernight, turn this off. You're a weird person if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't read book one or two. Yeah, right? it would make no sense. Yeah, you deserve would... to be spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a statute of limitations, right? After a couple of years, you're safe to talk I about it. I say one year, but one I'm year? pretty brutal yeah, okay. on this. All right. I'm like, yeah. if it's been out for a year and you're this upset that someone told you what happened, you've got problems. It's kind of on you. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. All right. Now that the so, ground rules are down. Yeah, book one and two, free for all. <laughs> book three will be vague. But we can still discuss what it's about. Yes, what sure. It's about. So maybe just give the podcast readers a general uh, blurby kind of outline about what to expect. Okay, so Dark Dawn is the third novel in the series. This is the first time I've had to actually do the blurb. Ooh, I know. We witnessed you like see the books for almost the first time today. Yeah, the, cool. fir- the first time I <laughs> held it in my hands was this morning in Sydney Airport, which was weird. Oh, Melbourne Airport? God, yeah. That's so funny. I- I'm in Sydney now. <laughs> I was in Melbourne. Um, so, yeah, the blurb is essentially after the fallout from the end of God's Grave, which I can talk about, right? Yes. So Mia has assassinated Cardinal Duomo successfully. She's under the impression that she's also killed Consul Scaver, but... It was all a big switcheroo. Uh, Skaver is in league with the Red Church, and he's also been revealed as Mia's biological father. And her baby brother, who she thought was dead, is alive. Uh, he's in her keeping, captivity, depending on who you ask <laughs> at the start of the book. Uh, and Mercurio, her mentor, has been captured by the Red Church. So Mia is essentially on a mission to rescue her mentor and discover the true nature of her darkened powers with the aid of Ashlyn and a newly returned Trick. So it's kind of a culmination of her personal vendetta plot line and the meta plot about what the Darkin are and what the nature of day and night is in Atreia. Uh, and yeah, it, it kind of wraps up all the loose ends, I guess. So it's the climax of her personal journey as well as the metaphysical religious type journey that the entire world has been on as a result of the conflict between day and night. I'm not sure if that's a really good blurb. That uh, it no, was that really was. good. I was just actually taking a moment to admire how well everything comes together. Yeah, because it really does. You get... in like 480 pages. Yeah, <laughs> well, it, it was... it's all answered. Everything's like I just can't imagine people not wanting to give you a round of applause at the end. Of oh, thanks. I'm glad you liked. It. I'm glad you liked it. It would be uncomfortable to have a podcast. You just read it last night. Hey, you know what? I didn't like it that much. It well, okay. there was a point in the book, again, spoiler free, but there was a point in the book where it would have been very hard to talk to you today if I was <laughs> as mad at you as I thought I was going to be. Is that That's chapter 35, I presume? Uh, yeah, I was, I was yeah, like, this okay. is not going to be, I might, I don't know what I might do tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. I thought I was going to be very angry, but. I actually yeah. wrote a couple of different endings and in one of the endings that I wrote, Chapter 35.
the way it played out between those two characters and I just left it there. But that was too depressing, <laughs> even, even for me, which is saying something. Yeah, I'm really glad. I'm <laughs> I mean, the, really the ending is dark, but when you're reading the ending, know that it is the brightest and happiest of all the endings that I wrote. So it could have been a lot worse. It could like, have. What I'm yeah, saying. I was afraid of reading the book. Going, what is what is the end going to bring? I think we've come to expect, and we're in such dangerous territory. I mm. like how close we're skating to the edge of spoilers. <laughs> I hope people aren't freaking out. But or do I hope that they are freaking out? I'm not. I don't know. Let's freak them out. We can yeah. freak them out. Um, I think everyone's a bit freaked out. <laughs> I think. Well, you. One thing that this series has always given is, you know, no holds barred. Yeah, I mean, Mia, Mia, Mia dies. Yeah. I tell you all on page one of the That's first not, book. It's not a surprise. Not a yeah. Yeah. Although I do still get people writing me angry tweets and Instagram DMs. About, spoiling it. Yeah, spoiling the, the ending. It's like, dude, I told you on the first page, <laughs> literally the third paragraph of the first page of the first book tells you that she's dead at the end of the novel. So that's not a spoiler. <laughs> it's People working so as intended. Funny. It's a feature, not a bug. You must... I, so I, you have a great habit that I enjoy immensely online of like, you know, taking captions of crazy things that people have said to you in yeah. emails oh and just God. putting them back out there in nice postcards. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I, I'm not doing that with reviewers or reviews mm. that, you know, reviews are, are reader space, not author space. Course, but yeah. uh, I, I do it with messages that people send me, it, either emails or Instagram DMs. People are very honest on Instagram DMs. I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> But people feel free to say whatever they like to me. So, yeah. Um, I mean, that was just a fun way of kind of promoting the books and showing that, you know, perhaps I don't take it as seriously as other people or maybe as seriously as I should take it. But No, I think it's a great way to communicate your natural sense of humour that also comes through in your books, you know, that, you know, so much dark stuff is always happening in these books and yet but there's, there's always a layer of humour around I, it. I try and make you laugh, yeah. yeah. I mean, they'd, they'd, be, they'd be very depressing books if there wasn't that... <laughs> layer of levity that I've tried to insert it's always like I mean we talk about it being grim and depressing and obviously like it's true but it's such fucking dramatic stylish <laughs> grim and depressing that you can't help yeah. enjoy it like I it's could. Like, it's, yeah exactly <laughs> it's, it's not just mundanely depressing uh, it's spectacularly depressing yes right. exactly it's a spectacle of depression <laughs> <laughs> There's just such flair. I mean, the, I third, the third book's got the word dark in the title, so you know what you're yeah. getting in for when yeah. you jump in. <laughs> if you read book one and two and you're expecting this to be a frothy Yeah, no, there's not, not a like... huge tonal shift, no. <laughs> no. There's, there's not a lot of rom-com mo moments in there at all. No. But I try I try and make you laugh just because, like I say, it would, it would be a little bit too grim if I didn't try and insert that layer of levity, which is what I'm trying to do with the footnotes and, mm. you know, the narrator breaking the fourth wall and... In the third book in particular, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to talk about without getting spoilery. But, yeah, things get quite meta. Uh, mm, and so mm. the book is kind of referencing itself at certain points. And this, that was me kind of poking fun at myself in particular, but also some of the some of those angry complaints that I've got over the course of the years. I very much enjoyed the part that you're referring to and it was the thing that I didn't want to mention because I wasn't sure if it was too spoilery. But we've gone there and so I'm happy. Right. And I – yeah, and – the way that you did sort of take a moment to kind of poke fun at yourself yeah. was really fun. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, th I think you have to uh, – I, I have fun when I write these books, even though they're dark and depressing in, in part. Mm. Um, I, you know, it's an amazing job that I have and I try to have fun while I'm doing it. And, and I don't mind having fun at my own expense. I think when you're taking yourself too seriously, that's when your books become a little bit too serious, for yeah. my liking anyway. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, at the end of the day, I'm I'm writing 
sword and sorcery fantasy novels. You know, I'm not curing cancer. I'm not changing the world in any real appreciable way. Um, I don't know. I mean, that's a humble thing for you to say. And you, I mean, I, I, I take on board <laughs> that the books mean a lot to some people and I've yeah. got some really um, quite heavy letters over the course of the last couple of years, people talking about how these books have got them through some pretty trying times. So mm. I, I definitely respect that and I respect that these books and this character in particular mean a lot to people. Uh, and that's not a responsibility that I want to take lightly or take for granted. Mm. But at the same time... It's uh, entertainment. Yeah, and I, I'm yeah. writing sword and sorcery <laughs> fantasy with magic shadow cats and girls who can teleport <laughs> yes, through shadows and stuff. But so. Jay, the whole world is built on stories and we should sure. never exactly. underestimate the power of them and you're like a master storyteller. So you oh, can thanks. That so that's lovely of you to say. I can't say. believe I'm giving you a pep talk. Like I you know. Need <laughs> <laughs> like you don't sure need a pep kid. talk from me. <laughs> So now that the series is coming to an end, do you find it has it been really hard to let go of all the characters? Uh, it's strange because I finished writing the book all, over a year ago. You yeah. know, the, the timeline for publishing is such that you finish writing a book long before the general public ever sees it. Mm. So you kind of put those mind. feelings to bed and then the book gets launched and you have to start talking about it again. It's kind of like ripping the scab off an old wound in, in some respects. Uh, so, yeah, it was it was sad to finish the the series out i remember when i was writing the last like the, the afterword i guess from the narrator there's a lot of me in those sentiments that are being expressed uh and it was sad to let go of this world and this character just because she and it have come to mean so much to people like i mm. say i've got some pretty heavy letters over the years and and knowing that something that is so important to people it's the last time i'm probably ever going to be visiting that character in that world yeah it, it was sad that world really never go back i mean i don't have plans to you never say never it's silly mm. to say never um mm. but i'm you know i'm working on other projects at the moment i don't have plans to i won't say definitely but there's no plans on the horizon that i would revisit the world and i feel like mia's story has been told and i feel like mia is probably the most integral part of this world you know yeah. people mm. are in love with her more than the setting so mm. i'm not sure what a new story in this world would be and I've, I mean, I've also kind of broken the setting by the end of the third book. It's not quite the same world as it was when the story began. So, Well, you've got very many other series to deal with, but I will say... I do. And perhaps this is a conversation about after the podcast, but I saw another story starting at the end of the book. Yeah. For sure. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> yes, you, can, many. You, can, you can tell I me about that. I saw glimmers of that. Yeah. yeah. I thought maybe you had something up your sleeve, like in the back of your mind. Maybe you did maybe. it subconsciously. Yeah, maybe. I, like I say, I don't have plans to, but... You, you can't ever say you won't go back to yeah. a thing. I did yeah. I did really enjoy the series, but I feel like Mia's story has been told yes. and I feel like she's she's got her ending. Uh, and to to reopen that door would feel a little bit disingenuous at mm, this right. point. Um, I, I mean, we've all had favourite TV shows or favourite book series that just outstay their yeah. welcome. <laughs> no, I certainly feel like Mia's, Mia has a very satisfying story and that, and that it's a pretty great ending there. And there's and a definite full stop at the end of her sentence. So yes. Yeah. 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 But I still, I would still like she to likes go to back <laughs> to <laughs> the world. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> That's yeah. what rereads are for, Sarah. Yeah. Come on. True, true. Yeah, yeah, the books will always be there. So, yeah. <laughs> so speaking of all your mil millions of other projects yes, that you're exactly. yeah. what's next up? So, in May of next year, uh, the second Aurora Rising book is coming out. Amy and I just finished edits on that. Yes. Uh, the third lifelike book will be coming out in June, I believe. So that's that series wrapping up. 
And I also have a new adult epic fantasy series, which is kind of, it's going to take the place of Nevernight in the rotation. Mm-hmm. So it's my kind of grim, dark adult fantasy series. Uh, and that's called Empire of the Vampire. Oh, God, uh, that sounds so good. Oh, the first book of that is supposed to be out next year. But I'm still writing it, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> I know you must get asked a million times in a trillion different ways how you manage so many mm. different projects. But I do... I do find it really fascinating that authors work so differently and that clearly for you, you can keep going and keep having different projects going at the same time and that works. Like, why do you think that is? Uh, I find (laughs) multiple projects are really helpful in the sense that if I get stuck on one, I can shift gears and move into another rather Mm. than... I'm, I'm a big believer in the ability of your subconscious mind to solve problems even when you're not actively thinking about it. I've got to... I got advice from my year 10 math teacher uh, who said, you know, if you come to a question in an exam and you don't know the answer to it, don't just sit there staring at the question, move on to the next one and your subconscious brain will solve the problem. Think about the question yeah. even though you're not actively doing so. And I feel like working on books is the same way. So if I get stuck on project A, I can shift gears and step into project B and my brain will still in theory be working on project A. So I find multiple projects really helpful in that sense. And it also, it, it breaks up Oh, I want the routine of it all, I guess. You know, you write the book, you send it in for edits, you get your story edits, it gets sent back to you, you get copy edits, you send it off. You know, there's a there's a very predictable pattern to it. Uh, but if you're working on multiple projects, that pattern gets broken up by the intrusion of the other books. So I you find that bored. a little bit more, yeah, <laughs> it's a little more dynamic yeah. in terms of a way to work. Um, so that, that works for me, but it, it doesn't necessarily work for everyone. And I'm lucky enough to be able to do this full time now. It's my job. Um, so I, I work at it like a regular job. I try and put in eight hours a day every day. It might not necessarily be eight hours of writing every day, but I'm working on you know, promotion or planning or editing or whatever, eight hours a day. If you work eight hours a day on writing a book, you're going to end up with a book pretty quickly. You know? I, <laughs> yeah. I try and write 3,000 words a day when I'm writing. So, you know, you write 3,000 words a day in three months, you're going to have a 90,000 word novel. It might not be a good one, but, you know. <laughs> but a, it's a start, a, yeah. Yeah, a, bro- a broken yeah. novel. You can fix a broken car. You can't fix a car that doesn't exist. So <gasps> Yes, that's it's like true. that expression. You can fix words on a page, but you can't fix a blank page. That's right, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, I try and treat it like a job. I try and put in as many hours into it a day as I would if I was working in an office someplace. Mm. So, you know, you just you fill that time by working on other books. And yeah. as a bonus, we get multiple J. Christoph books. Yeah, and now you have to do it yeah. forever because we've gotten we've got, used we're, to a certain yes. amount of output from you. Yes. And I don't think that we're, I would cope very well if I didn't have multiple J. books. I agree. <laughs> we'll see. Empire is is a much longer book than I've written previously. Like oh. it's it's proper doorstopper epic fantasy. Oh wow! In like terms of many, length, what does that translate to into? Oh, is it like 120,000 words? No, 120. No, oh. like Nevernight is probably 160. Uh, is it really? Yeah, wow. thereabouts. You're, I mean, your average young adult novels ranges between 90 and 120, depending on whether it's you know, mm. contemporary or science fiction fantasy. Your average adult length fantasy novel is probably around 150, 160. So Nevernight's kind of stock in that respect. But your big ones, you know, your Brandon Sanderson's yeah. and Pat Rothfuss's and whatever, they're usually around 250. 50. Wow. I think the first Game of Thrones novel is around 290. And that's the level of At length? this day, it's probably at? it's probably weighing in around 250 at this point. Oh my God, this is going mean, to be The epic. more words, the better. Yeah, I mean, in, in theory. But I, I, like <laughs> I say, I'm still writing it and I'm still working out 
exactly how the book is going to work. I have a sneaking mm. suspicion that I've done what I did in Never Night, which is start it in the wrong place. Oh, no. I usually start my books in the wrong place. We started Illuminae in the wrong place as well. Like, it, this is Seriously? just a truism of me. Yeah. Where was it started? Are you allowed to? Uh, about 60 pages into the novel. So, the, the, first, ah. the first scene that we wrote for Illuminae was when Ezra is flying in his cyclone and the Copernicus gets blown up. I can't imagine right. the beginning there. Yeah, and we sent it out to beta readers and they told us that we needed more of a grounding in the setting and the characters before we started exploding things. So yeah. we went back kind of 50, 60 pages and seeded who the characters were a little better. Wow. So in, in, that, in that case, we started the book too late. In Nevernight, I started it way too early. I spent a huge amount of time on Mia's childhood oh. uh, and it just wasn't necessary. You know, the, the, the book was about a girl going to assassin school. So why the hell are you spending 200 pages on telling a story when she was 10 years old? But maybe you had to do it to know her. I did. I definitely did. Yeah. They they weren't wasted words, even though I Mm. threw them in the bin. They Mm. definitely gave me a sense of who she was as a character. Uh, And I planted a couple of ideas in that childhood sequence that I used later on. Yeah. But I think I've done the same thing in Empire. I've spent a lot of time on this guy's childhood and i don't think i need to do that it's that's not the story that i'm telling so I'm just in the getting to know you phase it's exactly yeah it is and like i say it's not wasted labor you do get to know who this character is yeah. in the process mm. of finding out what their childhood was i mean we're all formed by our childhood experiences mm. so it's it's definitely work worth doing but whether or not it makes it into the final book or not is another question so it might not be two hundred and fifty thousand words yeah i told my editor that it was going to be really long and he wrote back and said oh yeah that's fine and i wrote back and said no no it's going to be really (laughs) 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 but it might not end up being that long i might i might end up exciting some of this stuff but yeah it might pick it up elsewhere yeah Yeah, maybe i mean it, it will definitely come into play in the novel just knowing what this character went through as a younger man but i don't think that's the that's the important part of the story so yeah, yeah. i think i've done exactly the same thing on empire that i did in nevernight i have to say the intriguing this is hell. completely honest like nevernight is my favorite start to a book i've ever read oh thanks yeah it's so talk about ass. a punchy opening. i know and when i tell people <laughs> I'm like the start of this book oh my god and I mean, it, you pretty much sets the tone it does <laughs> like so it does. it, it, it it does throw some people, um, you know, well, the, the style not... in which it's written and, and uh, you know, the, the flipping the back and forth between mm. two different timelines in mm. the first chapter. I mean, that gives you a vibe of the way the first act of the book runs because, again, that's structured in terms of flashback in present day. Mm. So it gives you an idea of what the book is going to be, but some people bounce off it pretty hard. No. Well, if they're going to bounce off that, then maybe it's, <laughs> maybe not, it's not. I mean, the, the, well, <laughs> exactly. the, the common advice I see thrown around for people is, you know, stick with it for 100 pages, which I'm yeah. always deeply suspicious of. Like when I get given that advice, like I got told that for the Doctor Who TV series, like, oh, stick with it, it gets better. <laughs> Usually it doesn't. But, uh, <laughs> so did you ever get into that? Into Doctor Who? Yeah. Yeah, I watched like five seasons of it. I had... I don't know. This is such a segue. Yeah, no, 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 that's okay. <laughs> I imprinted on the Matt Smith oh, series, okay. right? Yeah, okay. And then mm-hmm. when he was no longer the Doctor, I just was He's like, bounced well, off. I'm gone. Sorry, yeah. this is not my Doctor. Like, yeah. I, I couldn't handle the changing of the character. Yeah, I mean, that, that's an in, intrinsic part of mm. Doctor Who. I guess that's the interesting part of it as well. Like, you're you're getting different Doctors and different actors' interpretation thereof. But yeah, if you've 
if you've kind of glommed onto one in particular, yeah, then the switcheroo would be hard to take. And Matt, Matt was only around for like two seasons, yeah. right? He yeah. was yeah. my favorite had, though, but he, yeah, but I didn't start with him. So I got convinced into watching it, and because I'd always been aware of it as a show. And yep. I mean, I like like sci-fi and fantasy for sure, but I just never. Just wasn't your jam, it. sure. And I got talked into trying it and I was like, this is great. And then... I mean, you, so, and you would have had to wade through <laughs> like four seasons before you even got to Matt Smith, mm. right? I didn't even Something bother. Like I oh, just, just started skipped. with Matt Smith. I mean, it, yeah. you know, it's, not, it's not like there's a huge amount of backstory you need to... <laughs> yeah. He's a time lord. It's adventure in space. He has a time machine. He, <laughs> yeah. he has adventures. That's pretty much all the grounding that you need. Pretty much. I started at the beginning of him and then, and then I tried to keep watching when it became... Capaldi, right? Yeah, yeah, Peter Capaldi, yeah. Yeah, and he did nothing, like, obviously he's great at what he does, but I was very, like, this very is different. not the same character. So and yeah, so sure. I just, mm. I dropped off. But that's Doctor Who. I'm going to, yeah, let's <laughs> segue. Because <laughs> <laughs> I actually have some Back to Doctor. Um, quick fire questions oh, if yeah. you're up for them. Sure. Yeah. All right, let's start. So what's the last book you read and adored? The last book I read and adored... I think the, the most interesting book that I've read in recent memory was a book called Endurance. Um, by God, what's his name? Pressure. Jesus, this <laughs> book that this book that I adore. <laughs> God, Scott Kelly is his name. Sorry, oh, uh, and he was a guy who spent a year up on the International Space Station. He's actually the astronaut that has spent the longest period of time in space that any human has ever spent. Amazing. Oh, wow. uh, and he lived on the ISS for a year. Uh, and I, I, yeah, I'm a big space nerd, and I just found that entire story really fascinating. It, it's kind of structured. It's kind of structured like Nemonite, actually. Like it, it tells the story of his childhood interspersed with anecdotes from his life up on ISS. So you kind of find out how he reached the point of becoming an astronaut. And his journey was just incredible. Like he's, as a high schooler, he was, he, he had, he essentially has ADDD. So he really struggled in school. Um, and he was kind of on a path to Nowheresville. And then he joined the Navy and got involved in naval aviation and eventually became an astronaut. So you wow. look at where he started as a boy and where he ended up, you know, probably one of the most impressive achievements in the history of space exploration. And also just, you know, just life on the ISS was fascinating to me. The idea of living up on a space station for a year. Uh, it, yeah, it really plugged into my id. So I, I found that really interesting. It's, pro it's probably not the most interesting book in terms of, um, you know, romps through space there's there's no you know there's no typical hollywood structure to it it's not like three days before he's about to leave there's some terrible emergency and he has to go out of there and, and no. eav and um you know fix some terrible problem he just kind of goes up and lives on a space station for a year and then comes home again sounds more <laughs> introspective than action yeah but, but I, I i found it really interesting the the idea of space is is really itty to me so mm. the idea of living up there for a year was yeah it it plugged into something quite primal in my brain so yeah, Commander really Scott really Kelly cool. is his name. Uh, if you're into space at all, it's it's really cool. Amazing. Check it out. Um, so where do you write and at what time of day? I write in my living room on my couch because uh, the light in there is better in my study. It's quite silly. When I became a full-time author, I decided to commemorate the moment by buying this really kick-ass desk. Oh, like no. this huge mahogany <laughs> thing with like a leather mahogany. cover on it. Yeah, it's like amazing. I spent this a stupid amount of money at a desk and I've written at it a total of two times. Oh, yeah, no, but I bet it looks great. I mean, it looks awesome. Yeah. It's, it's covered It's covered in junk at the moment, like just books and all kinds of whatever drives my wife nuts. But yeah, the light is better in the living room. So I write in the living room uh, and I write pretty much all day. Like I said, I, I treat it as a job. So I, I'm at 
my couch, not my desk <laughs> by kind of nine o'clock in the morning. Uh, and I work through till five and sometimes I write in the evening as well. When I was still working a full-time job, I used to write at night when I got home from work. And I think I'm still a little more productive in the nighttime hours. I'm not sure why. I think I just formed that habit in my head. My brain associates nighttime with writing. So I still work in the evenings. But yeah, I, I try and spend eight hours a day every day. This Impressive. is like an addendum to the quick questions. But mm. can I just also ask, do you have music on? or? Yeah, uh, but I it'll be music without lyrics. Always so yeah, instrumental. I will listen, yeah, stuff. listening to instrumental yeah. stuff, classical stuff. Movie... Uh, scores are also really great you as well. That's a great one. It's the quite, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Like, but the softer s- sort of um, tracks from that, they do ones where they repeat it for like two, three hours. You just chuck it on. Yeah. <sighs> um, any Anything with lyrics kind of gets in the way of my own words. Sure. Yeah. So I, I listen to a lot of Ludovico Einaudi, who's an Italian pianist <laughs> and composer. He's him. amazing, yeah, right? I love him. I listen to him at work sometimes when, there's, when you've got to do some spreadsheeting and it's like, okay... <laughs> Need to concentrate. Yeah, he's but incredible. I also need some like link me later. To the, I oh my god! Oh, yeah, okay. he's, he's amazing. Yeah. Check him out. So yeah. I, I was listening to him kind of constantly while I was working on them, and I, um, yeah, and I actually thank him in the back of the book. Oh, that's so, yeah, so cool. It's, it's any anything that's evocative but doesn't have lyrics, I'm into. So mm. mo- movie scores in particular, when you're writing a big action set piece, mm. you put on some big action type music, and that can put you in the mindset you need to be. Yeah. Sure. I don't listen to him when I reread Dark Dawn. Yeah, you should. <laughs> yeah, he's got a he's got a live album live at Albert Hall, which is about two and two and a bit hours long. Wow, of just amazingness. Oh my god. Yeah, he's incredible. I love him. Um, do you have any neat tricks to keep yourself going, like word count quotas or writing exercises? I try and write three thousand words a day when mm-hmm. I'm writing. That yep. that's just the word count that I'm comfortable with. If I push myself, I can get more than that, but I usually pay price for it in the next couple of days. Like I might have a particularly productive day and get six or seven, but then I'll be useless to myself and the world for the next couple. So, <laughs> I found through trial and error around three thousand words a day is where I'm comfortable. Mm-hmm. And like I say, you, if you do that five or six days a week, every week you'll have a ninety hundred thousand word novel in. You know, three or four months. So wow. easy is that? I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's not easy, but <laughs> it's, just it's 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 no, sarcasm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I said, I, I try and treat it like a job. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, um, because I, I I do do it as a job now. It's yeah. how mm. I pay my electricity bills. So, um, but yeah, those eight hours a day may not necessarily be all writing. Yeah. Um, the, you know, there's an element of promotion and social media and all the stuff Edit. that comes along with being an author. So. But yeah, eight hours a day at the coalface is what I minimally do. And when I'm really busy, I'm usually working six days a week. Wow. Yep. So I have no life. <sighs> it's a pretty, pretty good life. I mean, it's <laughs> amazing. Yeah. I'm up in beautiful Sydney today but talking to people. Couch. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I do go to work in my tracksuit pants and Ugg boots. So. And there are worse so things, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, what's the first thing you do after you've delivered a finished book? I will try and take at least a couple of weeks off. It doesn't always work out that way because I'm working on multiple projects. Sometimes the timelines just don't match up Mm. and I'll have to jump straight into edits on another book. But I'll try and take at least a couple of weeks to just read and play a video game and not do anything to do with books. It doesn't usually work out that way though, but uh, I try my best. I try, yeah, just to defrag and to refill the creative well. I mean, you're, you're constantly drawing on it. So if you don't take time to refill it, eventually you will find yourself scraping the walls. So yeah. that's a really important part of the process that I've 
learn to force myself to do mm-hmm. because otherwise you pay a price for it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So just binge watch a really good TV series and read a couple of really good books and play a silly video game. Any reds for us in those oh, areas? Yeah. <laughs> um, in terms of television, I am watching a show called The Orville at the moment, which is Seth MacFarlane's Star Trek homage. Uh, it's basically Star Trek with the serial numbers filed <laughs> off. It starts out quite silly. Uh, tonally, they were trying for a comedic element that didn't really fit, but eventually they just abandon all pretense and just, we're making Star Trek. Um, cool. And yeah, there's some, there's some really cool and interesting episodes. It's really good science fiction, so... I recommend that. Uh-huh. Um, we binged watch Game of Thrones season of eight, and yeah, because everyone did. <laughs> of course. Uh, uh, I went week to week on that. Oh, me oh too. did you really? Yeah, I, did, yeah. I, I was away when it was screening, and my wife and I have watched it together. So I was religiously avoiding spoilers, but I was wow. kind of getting the periphery of all the internet rage that was taking place mm. week to week. Uh, I think things started getting bad and. Episode three, people started getting really mad. People had a lot of feelings. They did. <laughs> I recapped Sarah. it. I had feelings, but my ultimate feelings were positive. Yeah, yeah it was mm. It was because I was only getting the internet rage without any context. I, <laughs> I was struggling to imagine what was making people so angry because people were just so angry. Yeah. And I, I was trying to imagine <laughs> what could they have done to make everyone so angry. And then I realized, oh, no, it's just Twitter. Everyone's yeah. angry Every, all the goddamn time. Like totally out of proportion. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember people were screaming... That John didn't pet Ghost. Like, I, people were yes. outraged that the wolf didn't get a pet. I'm like, really? I do remember. Really? Yeah, we thought it was the last time Jesus. we were ever going to see that dog. Yeah, it was, it was a sad she, moment. Yeah. But it's not worth yeah, getting It's not so worth aggro. getting upset about yeah. like, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> but this is the world that we live in. I know. I maybe maybe there are better ways very to upset spend your anger. If, he if, did if not. Ghost didn't get a pet? Yeah. Really? Yeah. But he got one. He yeah, did. So everyone was yelling over nothing, yes. funnily maybe enough. Maybe they did that on purpose <laughs> to piss everyone off. Maybe they did. Maybe they, maybe they saw that one coming. Um, uh, what's the nicest thing anyone's ever said about your writing? Oh, God. Uh, I've had some amazing letters. Mm. I've, yeah, re- really humbling moments. Um, people have gone through some extraordinarily trying times in their life. And they've said that this character in these books have helped get them through those troubling times. Mm. That to me is amazing. You know, I I don't, it's very difficult for me to fully appreciate the way readers receive the books. Because I'm, I'm writing it, like I say, I'm on my couch in my tracksuit pants and my Ugg boots. Uh, and I'm, I'm trying not to take it too seriously. But at the same time, I meet these readers or get sent these letters that literally say, you know, Without this book, I'm not sure where I'd be. Without this character, I'm not sure who I would be. Uh, that That's extraordinarily humbling to me. And I'm, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. I don't want to take myself too seriously or what I do too seriously. But at the same time, I have to appreciate more and more that people do take this stuff very seriously. And it means a lot. I mean, people get my words tattooed on their bodies for mm, life. You know, huge. that's ex- extraordinary yes. to me. But at the same time, I don't want to get too much of a sense of that. Otherwise, I think the pressure would be really hard to deal with. And I think I would just personally become unbearable as a human being. (laughs) 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 My wife is wonderful. She keeps me in check in terms of my ego. You know, I'll I'll say, oh, hey, I won this award. And she's like, great. Did you pick up the milk when you did the shopping? (laughs) Keeping Uh, it real. Yeah, she's keeping me real. So uh, that's very much, yeah, that's a really important part 
of the process. But yeah, I, I have to kind of compartmentalize those thoughts. I don't want to take myself or the work too seriously, but at the same time, I want to appreciate how important it is to, to readers. Because like I say, I've got some extraordinary letters, stories that would just blow you away. Like some of the stuff that people have been through, you know, people reading this book, sitting beside their father's bed while he dies of cancer kind mm. of deal. Um, and, you know, this character in the story helping them get through those troubles. That, that is extraordinary to me. Yeah. yeah. And I never want to take that for granted or um, treat it with anything other than the respect that it deserves. But it is a, a balancing act. Doing yeah, otherwise you would, you would just become unbearable. You would yeah. just start to think that you're God's <laughs> gift to humanity. And, God, no, I'm, I'm bad enough. <laughs> I'm grumpy enough to be around uh, without thinking that I'm amazing. Um, just lucky last question. Is there a bit of writing advice that's ever stuck with you or something you often tell people? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great advice out there on the mm. internet and a lot of it you will hear is the same. That's mm. because it's good advice. You know, read as often as you can, read outside the genre in which you write. Um, otherwise, you will start to sound like everyone within your genre. The reason you get told that over and over again is because it's really good advice. Um, but the, I mean, the the best advice I can give writers out there is it's this sounds really hokey and corny every time i say it but it's it believe in yourself like the the power of self-belief is going to get you through some really tough trying times when when you decide to create art for a living no matter what kind of art it is whether it's writing or acting or directing whatever uh, you're constantly going to be confronted by people who tell you that you're wasting your time uh, and give you all the reasons why you can't and why you won't and so you shouldn't, uh, and that that can weigh you down. Like inevitably, you're going to find yourself as a creative looking at yourself in the mirror at two o'clock in the morning, and you've got to get up for work in five hours, and you've just spent three hours talking to imaginary people who live in an imaginary world, and you're throwing imaginary problems to make their imaginary lives difficult. <laughs> you're going to look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, "Are you crazy to be doing this? Are you are you a fool?" you have to overcome that inertia uh, and self-belief is the way by which you do that. So it sounds corny, but believe in yourself because for the longest time, no one else will. So it's that, that self-belief is going to be what you need to get you over those hurdles and get you where you need to be. I don't Amazing. think that sounds corny. I think that's no. it's a little bit. It's a little bit desktop calendar. Like I mean, I have high Believe high in yourself, Jay Crystal, author of Never Not. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> that comes with not taking yourself too seriously. Like, but, like if you saw that on a T-shirt, you'd think, oh, Jay Crystal, who the hell yeah, are you, but man? we didn't see it on a T-shirt. We got a great speech. <laughs> full yeah. of yeah. humor. Right, okay. Yeah. Exactly. So that, that's the advice I would give. Believe mm. in yourself because... Yeah, it's a it's a tough road. Mm. Creating art for a living is really hard, particularly in Australia. Um, it, it's hard to do it and pay your bills. It's hard to get up every day uh, and face that. You know, self-doubt by itself is hard enough to overcome without the doubts of the people you surround yourself with. And that, mm. that that's another really important piece of advice. You know, surround yourself by people who bore you up rather than bring you down. Mm. You need an incredible support network to create art for a living. You know, I have an amazing wife and I couldn't do what I do now without her, let alone when I was working a full-time job and writing on my weekends and on my lunch break and after work for two or three hours every night. You know, she was with me every step of the way. So you need, you need people who will 
yeah, lift you up rather than bring you down. And anyone who is trying to bring you down, just exercise those people from your life because as in exercise, as in I cast the out, not, <laughs> not, go, not, for a run. not go for a run. Go no. jogging with them. I mean, you can go, go jogging and push them off a bridge. Yeah. Um, yeah, exercise those people from your life because it's hard enough overcoming self-doubt without having people around you also instilling doubt in you. Mm, that's great that is advice. excellent advice well we've gone way over time but that's just because we love talking to you um so <laughs> <laughs> i love talking to you guys i'm about too. to get a t-shirt oh well thank you so much though for coming and chatting to us about dark dawn thank you so much for having me um it's wonderful to be here and thanks for all the support you guys give i really appreciate it oh, we pleasure. Pleasure. do it <laughs> and listeners you can get dark dawn and all of jake christoph's other books online at booktopia.com.au thanks Thanks for listening to the Booktopia podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes. And if your eyeballs need a workout, check us out on YouTube at Booktopia TV. And don't forget for all books featured on this episode and all episodes of the Booktopia podcast, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore at www.booktopia.com.au. Thanks for listening.